SAS Backwards is sponsored by Austin Lawrence Group, specializing in demand gen for SAS. It sure is noisy. I deleted 100 emails from vendors just this morning. Your buyer has gotten better at ignoring you, and you're going to need a big idea if you want to cut through all that clutter. Austin Lawrence is just the right agency to help you find it. So if your campaigns are falling on deaf eyeballs, let's talk. Visit austinlawrence.com today and let's build something bigger. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast. We are live from the Ascent Conference in San Francisco. The SaaS Backwards Podcast is a podcast that helps SaaS CMOs and CEOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. And now we have with us our guests are Jen Allen Kruth and Will Aitken from Lavender AI. Excited to talk to you guys. I know a little bit about Lavender, but for our guests that don't know anything about you, give us a little background on the company. Take it away. You're going to let me take that oh, one? Yeah. That was the easy one. I told you I had the hard questions. Lavender is a tool that basically, in the short form, helps sellers write better emails or stop sellers from writing such bad sales emails. Does that with a little bit of data, a little bit of AI, but won't go too deep into that. So I have a big background in sales, Yep. writing emails. I try to make them creative. I get a lot of sales emails. And most of them are crappy. That's, <laughs> if you ask someone, when someone asks, what do you do? Well, did you get a lot of sales emails? Yeah. Are, are they really good, right? And like, no, they're rubbish. And like, there you go. Now you get it. That's what we're trying to stop. You all are speaking at the conference today, right? Like, yeah. So what's the nature of your presentation? So mine today is about how to stand out. So part of it is about you can write the best emails in the world. There's still more work to be done because we have to be where our buyers are learning. And so it's meshing together, being where your buyers are learning, and then connecting that back in a relevant way, whether you're cold calling, emailing, sending DMs, it doesn't really matter. It's all a form of communication. So I think it's a great question then, what you just said. We're getting so many emails, they're all crap. I'm used to deleting them. It's like, how do you really stand out? Even if you're writing good emails, yeah. how often are they engaging with prospects? Yeah, I mean, I can start, I think, it is so easy to stand out right now if you do the work. The right? bar is so low. It's so That's, low. It's, like <laughs> a low bar is an opportunity for people who are willing to do the work. Right? It is. It's like almost exciting to know that 95% of sales emails are so bad that you don't need to do much work to actually do good. And tell me a little bit, what makes them bad? All right, you go first. Subject lines are way too cheesy, way too marketing-y with emojis and exclamations and numbers and it just... Half of the time, they're not even being open because the subject lines are so tragic. Yep. Second one, email written all about themselves, their product, their company, their solution. Again, it's like they're trying to be a marketer. That's marketing. We reach out to people who aren't already looking but, most of the time. Now, in defense of marketers, we're, we're trying to tell so. them not to do that either. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Right? <laughs> but, like, there's a difference between if someone's looking for a tool, they might care about what the tool does, right? But if we're doing cold emails, mm -hmm. it's in the name. These people aren't already shopping for a solution. There's such a small percentage of the market who's ever going to be looking for your thing right now. And if you were talking about your features, your benefits, your company, why we're the best, we've been around for 20 years, you're only really speaking to that small percentage who are looking. And if they haven't already found you and they are looking, 
then you're probably coming to the party a little bit late. They've probably already got three vendors that they're going down a path for. So what we want to do is actually try and create interests. And to do that, you don't talk about your solution. You talk about the problems that person might be having. And they're, oh, hang on, maybe I do need to check this out. So it's about them, not you. Yeah, I think you're talking about like Chet Holmes, who says that 3% of your market is in- yeah. It's less than five, especially in if you sell so brand new. Time, right? You're like, well, for a start, just, you know, everyone's gonna buy a CRM, right? But not that many people are going, I need to buy an AI email coach because it's not on the checklist of things that you need, right? In those cases, it's even smaller amount than that. It's probably like 0.5% of the market are ever actively trying to buy one with selling. So how do you structure emails or to be successful when somebody doesn't have problem awareness or solution awareness like you're talking about? Because they're not in market for an AI tool. So theoretically, hitting the 3% doesn't exist. Yeah. So how do you overcome that? I think this is the single most overlooked thing by sellers right now. If I compare finding the 3%, that is order taking in my opinion, right? You're finding people who are ready to buy. Right now, we have to be looking at a company, making an observation about something we see is happening in their business that would suggest that the problem that we solve for could be there, right? So we have to lead with a hypothesis that is not about us, but is rather about the company. So it could be, watching a CEO's podcast and hearing the way that they talk about something they're trying to achieve and hypothesizing, maybe this would make this hard. So when we look at the structure of the email, the way that we like to think about it is observation about the company, hypothesis on a potential problem, insight about that problem, and then create an opportunity to say, is it worth going into more? So mm -hmm. I think that's a major shift from a lot of the, do you have 15 minutes? And you know, here's what we do. And I think it's We're a big departure from six that. 6X your reply rate. Yes. Like, I think that happens a lot. People just sell the, the game, but like anyone come up to you and be like, I could make you more money. I'm like, all right, sales boss. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but if you came up to me and said, hey man, I don't you made an observation about me. I'm willing to bet, you know, this. And I go, hang on a second, that is true. And it resonates. And they're like, okay, you've observed something about me. And then you say, this could be a potential problem for you. And if I go, yeah, that is a problem for me, then all of a sudden I'm now thinking, okay, how can I solve that? And then you can tell me how other people are solving that. And you can do all of that without once talking about AI or features or 6Xing anything of mine. It's all about me and the realization. That's how people get interested when they're not even thinking about it. So tell me more about how your AI tool works within- We just told system. you we don't want to do that. <laughs> What's that? We just said we don't want to talk about the feature. We don't do well, we, we so, the marketing. So, we don't so the here's product. the reason that I asked the question. Yeah. So from my perspective, like I'm using chat GPT, of yeah. course, yep. like to try to write content. Yeah. And when I do that, like it's great for me to research and to quicken my process for writing. But if you ask it to actually write something, it's very vanilla. And so what I think is going to happen in the content world, we're going to get an explosion of yep. mediocre content. And so my question is for you in the sales email world, we already have an explosion yep. of really bad emails. Mm -hmm. So what are you basing off the AI to work with to make these emails better? Or are we just gonna get more crap? So ChatGPT is a great example. And anyone who's created content on LinkedIn or anyone who has the email inbox can probably tell the moment they get an email or a comment or see a post, AI wrote that because our brains are so good at picking up patterns, right? So we don't want to be an AI generation to it. We don't believe that's the way forward because ultimately selling comes down to being human. So what we use the AI for is actually just to help. More so like, oh, you could have said this sentence in a shorter way and we know that short emails work that way. This is all based off the data that we have, which is over 100 million sales cold emails 
So by looking at the data set, we can say this is what worked and then use combine that with the AI to say, here's how your email should be better before you hit send. So it's really the uniqueness and value progress. Anyone could start chat GPT, open AI and get an API with that and start helping people write emails, but they're going to be rubbish. The value prop is that we have the data, but also a bunch of really smart people on our team. Not Why her. are you looking at me? Yeah, I was, I was like, <laughs> was like, a lot of smart people on our team who have done sales training, who understand buyers, who have bought a lot of stuff. We can then augment that with our own expertise to say, hey, this is how your email is going to be best written to get a reply. So it's actually helping the seller write the email and not writing it for them. That's the danger zone, I think, when you start taking work off them, because then you end up in this pattern. Because AI is based on patterns and half the sales is pattern interrupting. Yeah. So AI can never do that, basically. So we're looking for what increases the likelihood of a reply, right? So open rates, do whatever with that. But replies are an indicator of success. And so as an example, one of the things that came out in the data a couple months back was if you use PS at the bottom of your email and put a personalized PS there instead of at the forefront of the email, we saw a 35% increase in likelihood for reply. Interesting. So it's when you can look at that and say, where are these unique patterns that are emerging before they become, you know, for the masses, that's how we think sellers can start to get an advantage by using it to be smarter and to Will's point, not for it to write for them. So, so that's a great topic then. So what is working across the board based on the research? We were in the power round, then I went off on a tangent. Like always. That's right. All right, <laughs> emails under 50 words, get the best replies. Most emails are way too long. Mistake number one. Yep, mistake number two is reading level. So we found that between third and fifth grade reading level is actually your prime spot because what you really you want- You today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, especially if Yeah, you have to remember we are interrupting someone's day. And so if we use our big fancy words and our jargon, we're just making it harder for them to go through their jobs, right? Same so goes for website content. Yes. yes. Which a lot of marketers <laughs> like, don't get, obviously, because we look at a lot of sites. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Put the thesaurus away. We'll take it out, find the shortest word, and use that one. Because as we said, people are glancing websites, they're glancing emails. Yeah. They don't have time to process the world's longest words, like hypotomosis, whatever it says, right? Optimizing and... Visibility. Visibility. Like, uh, visibility, you know, you know what that means? C. C, yeah. It's three-letter word. You just save yourself three syllables right there, right? Yeah. So write short words. We'll I just them. went... To reading level, it's your app. I versus you, we spoke about this already. If your email is written all about you, you're not going to get a reply because, again, you're not right. talking about the person, you're not highlighting anything about them. So, using you twice as much as you say it. If you went to your inbox and looked at all the sales emails you get and wanted to bet, they all say hi. And then they start the very first sentence is hi, every single one. Yeah. You actually had a great screenshot of like how many of these emails are sales emails. And I like this presentation like okay. screenshot, 10 emails in a row. And everyone, you can tell, just from the subject line, the preview text, it's sales email. Because every single one is like selling in the subject line. And then it starts with, hi, Jen, I. Yeah. Get rid of the I, cut that. Yeah. Got it. Next one would be tonality. So this was a really surprising one for me. So I came from the Challenger sales organization. I think one of the big mistakes I made is I thought that that meant you tell your prospect things in an email, right? Like you are losing this much, you are failing to do this. What we actually found is that an unsure tone meaning you might, it looks like it could be, is far more effective at getting a reply than what we would describe as an informative tone, so talking at someone, which makes sense. Nobody likes to be talked at, whether yeah. it's email or in person. So that's a really interesting topic, especially for me. Like when we do outreach from an agency perspective, you know, we're coming at it from, you know, the commercial teaching, mm -hmm. right? The expertise and trying to find, you know, something where we can add value. Yeah. But it's very hard, right, to reach out 
and not say, hey, your baby's pretty ugly. Baby's busted. Oh my God, right? <laughs> I got this seven. Hey, someone sent me an email like, your Instagram sucks. I'm like, I try really hard. <laughs> like the, the, the right idea was there because yeah. they were trying to highlight a challenge for me. But the way they did it, I was like, I'm not going to give this person any of my time. So they had got me interest by being unsure. Hey, Will, are you not happy with the amount of engagement you're getting on Instagram? Perfect. Yeah. Hang on. Yes, I'm not happy because the algorithm is screwing me. Then I can come in and then I can lead to them as the expert. So the expertise comes in later in my opinion. So from the challenger perspective too, like then how do you address that? It sounds like using kind of, I don't want to say wishy-washy language, but like those things that we do in sales, like to say, I don't know if this is true or not, and then give the premise what you're responding. I think you hit right on the head. One of the things I used to do is say, I don't work within your four walls, but as an outsider, it appears that this might be happening. But I'd love to understand your own observations around it, right? You're inviting to a conversation. I think the reason people reject cold emails so much is none of us want to be sold to. And so if my tonality in an email is I'm going to tell you a problem that you have, even though I've never lived a day in your life and I've never worked for your business, it just creates distance between the sender and the recipient. So using that exactly type of unsure language is really helpful to do it. Mm -hmm. People also need to move someone. They need to come to that conclusion in their own long time. Talk to sellers yes. all the time, like, why didn't they buy my thing? It's so obvious. They should have done this. What's wrong with them? How could they not see the value? Because you don't create the value. They do. And the way you get there is often by asking questions and getting them to realize that themselves, becoming almost the guide who has to get them there. But it's much more powerful and people are much more willing to take action when they've decided to do so themselves. And the way you get them there is by providing information, but also asking questions so they can get to themselves. Coaching is the same thing. My boss. If you get something down and say, well, your discovery goes suck. Ow. You should do it this way. I immediately resist when someone yeah. tells me I should. If he goes, what's the reason you think people aren't buying from you? Well, maybe I'm not asking the right questions. Okay, what question should you be? If you can get me there himself, I'm much more likely than that. should go and take that coaching and take action on what he's coaching. Right, like, and they teach you to do that in sales training, right? But they don't teach marketers to do that or necessarily oh, how to do I that. I wish they did. <laughs> <laughs> Hate marketers. We go from a marketing team and having worked in sales. You can really tell in what's been working for us. The lessons we brought across from sales yeah. marketing has been really fruitful. Uh -huh. I think more people should do both jobs. Yeah. Understand both. What about subject lines? Intentionally boring, right? This goes against everything really? that we've thought about in the last few years. Three to five words. Think about the emails we open in our own inbox, right? If my boss wanted me to update my CRM, they would not say 10 times your pipeline with this new tool. Like they'd be like, update your CRM. And so we want to appear in the inbox exactly like that because those are the emails that gets open. So intentionally boring, our founder calls it, right? That's, yeah, internal camera. So make it look like an email that would come from someone in your company, which means none of this fancy marketing language. What about like longer ones if they're incredibly specific? So, Jen, I saw you were mentioned in this article. I know that's a sales email. I, exactly. I can delete that and move on with my day and be happier because I know that tells me I'm about to be sold. But if, if my name said, is in the subject line, it's a marketing and yes. sales thing. It's almost like we want to do the exact opposite of what they know of a sales email. Yeah. Right, which is what all of the cool marketing books, right? Yep. Tell you what to do or the even that's, back in the sixties every seller marketing, like, you know, right? And a lot of those power words have become spam words now, like free, yeah. value, all those yeah. things that we're taught to put into headlines. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that like we gotta completely flip that yeah. on its head. If you took that exact same idea and said SAS backwards article, all caps, 
three words, I would be much more likely to open that email, right? Because I would think, no, accounts the first subject, yeah, yeah, capitalization. I would be much more likely to open that email because I would recall, hey, I was mentioned in this article, this is someone who's clearly read it versus like the selling tonality of really long subject. Interesting. Yeah. People have like a filter that have learned. Humans are really good at like learning. We don't realize we're doing. But I like to put it like this, just because a lot of sellers don't get that many emails and it's a big disconnect we see. As SDR is not getting sold to 200 times a day, so they don't have the empathy for the person they're trying to sell to. They don't know what it's like to be able to receive the end of that. If you went to your mailbox in the morning and you found 200 pieces of mail and you spent three hours opening every single one, <laughs> right? 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 That's what would happen if most decision makers are getting 200 emails a day. They don't have time for that. So they have to learn to save time. In that example of like, if you had 200 pieces of letters and you opened every single one, the following day you go back and you find another 200 letters, you would remember what the useless ones were and you would start throwing them away about even open. You'd look for the ones that have like a gold stamp on them or feel like they've got like a fake credit card and them trying to sell you a credit card. Or you'd look for ones that like have a logo on them or you might even open a few things. This could be important, but you read the first line it says, dear sir or madam, hope this finds you well. Trash. Almost immediately you would learn to save yourself time if you didn't, you'd be wasting three hours a day opening to a piece of mail. So you'd immediately look for the signs that something is not worth reading and get rid of it. And you'd only open the 10 that are looking for one, and then of those, the five, you very quickly realize the five that aren't. What we're trying to do with a subject line and preview text is basically be those 10 that look kind of important or relevant or worth opening. And then you earn the open, but then you need to earn the next read, which is why we like to start an observation set about them. And then if we've earned the next line, we're piling a problem, we've earned the next line. How do other people solve this? That's often a great framework to just keep earning the next action, basically. The moment you do anything salesy in there, you lose because people resist. Which, you know, I have a theory too about pushing for the meeting or asking for the meeting, which is somewhat of an old practice, but you see it all the time. And I think that's one of the biggest turnoffs is that they're pushing for a meeting way too early. And so if you accept that premise, which I assume you do, What should we be putting in there, like asking pertinent questions? Like, what does that look like in terms of a call to action? I think it's seeking a reaction to the problem, right? What we're essentially trying to do is gauge problem fit. If this individual has a problem, I don't need to ask for a meeting. If they read that and say, man, that is exactly what we were just talking about at our team meeting, they are going to reply. So I, we have to remove this tendency where we feel like if we don't ask, they won't set up a meeting. Instead, it's open to learning more curious are you seeing this happening in your business like there's a million Does that ways resonate? you can say yeah and you relate to that and you make it so easy for someone to say yes or no like we're not trying to sell to everybody we're trying to sell to people who have the problem that we have so gauge do they have the problem that we have and then you can have the meeting set up but even like the pattern of 15 minutes you have 20 minutes what we see is buyers actually go to the end of the email and they see that and they don't even read the rest of it because we've learned as well mentioned to recognize that that's a sales email that's so interesting, right? Like, what does the data say about the videos that people are using in the outreach? Perfect question prior, for you. <laughs> prior, prior to Lavender, I worked at Vidyard. So I, I talk about this a lot on, on webinars, et cetera. We hear a lot about it in the world of SaaS agencies, that videos, right? But if you actually ask a buyer, I'm going to ask you, how many videos have you been sent in 2023? Personally, I don't receive that many, a handful. Right? I've been sent one. Okay. So we hear about this video coaching and we're like, oh yeah, everyone's doing it, but it's still a massive pattern interrupt. The same challenge applies though. If you send someone a video and it's all about you and your tool and it's a demo basically, same thing. So you have to apply that same concept. Hey, a video I used to love to send is like 30 seconds long, which they put in a 50 word email basically. We're staying short because these people are busy. You used to just be like, hey, spot this and I'll share my screen on that thing and say, 
spot this about you. Notice you just had, let's say, some layoffs, right? It's a, you know, a bit dangerous thing to open with. I'm willing to pet that you didn't lower your sales target despite the fact your sales team shrunk. And they go, yeah, that's a trump for me. How are you thinking about, you know, still booking as many meetings even though you've got half the number of sellers? This company has found sending videos has improved their replies. I'm curious, is that something you've tried or thought about before? Boom, I send us a video. One, they see I'm a human. Two, they can see I'm good looking. <laughs> Three, the first thing is people got to get videos, so it's a massive pattern interrupting, like we said, interrupting the patterns half the battle. But the moment we start selling in that, then it negates all the effort of going through and making videos. So I actually really like videos. I prefer them as a follow-up because frankly, they take a little bit longer to record and some people get like self-critical and they re-record them and it's like all that. Just record a 30 second video, stick 30 seconds to record. I would tend to send that as a second step because frankly, if I can book a meeting with someone without having to record a video, I'd rather do that. But if I follow up to my first email, the one that we just took, the framework we just gave, observation, problem, story, interesting. And I can send them a video on the second one. I can add a little bit more context on there of exactly how we help, but also switch up the pattern because we're just basically trying to serve it up in different ways to get someone's interest. And some people may hate videos, but that's why we also cold call them. That's why we also send them emails. It's also why we're engaging with them on LinkedIn. That's why we do all these different things to try and hit someone in a way that's going to resonate. And, you know, we talk about personalization at scale too, right? And it's I an think oxymoron, but what's that? <laughs> a massive oxymoron. I'm going to personalize right. this email to 100 people. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's more than personalization because I think if you're just pulling stuff out of LinkedIn profile, that's not going to work. Right. Like yeah. it's really context and relevance. Yeah. And how go. do you scale that? So, I mean, I don't know if the tool is helping you to do that or not, but it seems to me that's at least in terms of my own outreach, yeah. that's the yeah. big problem because you know, I'm spending a lot of time researching sites and looking for things that I can use as reasons to reach out only to have it go into the ether and yeah. never heard from again. So that is one of the elements. If you look at where sellers lose a lot of time, it is the switching of going to Twitter and going to LinkedIn and going to transcripts. That is a time-consuming activity. And so what we tend to see is either sellers spend way too much time personalizing for an email that may or may not be read, or they go the forced personalization route. They're like, hey, saw you went to Penn State, like go Nittany Lions. Now let me tell you about me, which is really just icky and not an experience when it creates. Yeah. So with Lavender, one of the things that we have is in the tool, it has a personalization assistant. And so it's helping you very quickly get to relevance to your point in the company. So has to Will's point, has it, have they had layoffs? Have they hired new positions? Are there open positions? Mm. What are those? And it's condensing that so sellers aren't switching around from screen to screen to screen, losing valuable time, but still making it easy to be able to personalize. It's more, more trigger-based. Exactly, yeah. I, pers I mean, I might get shot off this. I don't yeah, think we should be personalizing every single email. I think that's a waste of time. Depending, okay, I'll kind of caveat that. Depending on the size of your TAM, your total addressable sure. market, if you have 100 accounts, 100% be personalizing every single <laughs> If you burn it with them, you've lost it, right? You should be putting a lot of care and you're giving the white glove service with that one, right? Most sellers have a much bigger tab than that. You shouldn't be trying to personalize every email because you should be making sure every single email is relevant. So if I use the trigger I used a second ago, which was you had layoffs, I could send that email to 100 different VPs of sales. Hey, I saw you had layoffs recently. So you had a headcount reduction and it would be relevant to every single one of them. If I went with, hey, I saw you're on this podcast or hey, I saw you went to Penn State, it's really hard to then use that to then tie into my solution and you're wasting time. But what a lot of what these AI tools are doing these days, and you see it all the time. I got one recently, it was like, hey, Will, I saw we both attended this event with Will Aiken and Keenan. <laughs> <laughs> like, I no, am Will Aiken and no 
Of course, I hope I attended it. Because if I didn't, I'll have Keenan high and dry. Like, that is where we're like getting, like, they're just doing it to check a box. So they yeah. heard that personalizing emails gets you more responses. And now they're just like, how can I personalize as many emails as possible without spending any time or. Like, it's just you lose the relevance. It's so simple. It's like I watched you think, on this, right? Think, like yeah. we all have ego. It's so yeah. easy. So, just remember, we're human beings. We like to feel good. We like to know that someone's paying attention to us. That could have been a perfect email. It was actually did highlight a challenge. Yeah, but the challenge had nothing to do with like the event that I hosted. Like it went from like, so we're both attending Willie Kin and Keenan's live show, and you could tell it was merged because it had all the caps and like emojis and stuff. Because I, I named some emojis in them, so it's definitely like raw across from something. And then it was like. No, you don't have schema markups on your website. That's bad for SEO. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell did that have to do with the podcast that I, the event that I hosted that you obviously found the information and got something to drag it in there? If they had literally said, well, you don't have schema markups on your site that's hurting your SEO, they obviously didn't look at my website because we know that we're using this AI tool. Yeah. They're actually highlighting something. I don't know what schema markup is. Is that bad? That's hurting your chance of being ranked. You actually are highlighting a challenge for me that one. Yes. Just, we get in our own way so much. They right? messed up. And, the and, and a lot of long. it's driven from the organization yeah. level, it's leadership. Right? I don't blame reps for this. Like, we were taught wrong to do all this stuff. I've made these mistakes, you know? That's why if I knew what I know now five years ago, I would have made a lot more money, you know? Right. And the issue is I was taught by the wrong people. Even going back as far to school, remember we were taught to write letters and like at university, like you've got to do a 10,000 word essay. We were aiming for like the longest thing possible. And when we were taught in school, like to write a letter, Dear Sarah or Madam, I hope this finds you well. <laughs> I hope you're well. Sincerely, Message best regards. Like, it's like all those things we have to unlearn to actually get there, but we can't do that without someone basically saying this isn't the way. And to do that, your leader needs to be the one to coach you on that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I think we're about out of time. I mean, I can talk about this all day. <laughs> your email is this fun to nerd out about, right? Yeah. It's really fun to nerd out about. It is. How do people get a hold of you if they want to nerd out a little bit more? LinkedIn is where we spend most of our time, Jen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're both on LinkedIn. The Lavender account, Will's behind it. I will give him a compliment. Constantly putting out great things. Every Wednesday, we do a Lavender live show where we bring in different great practitioners from sales and have them speak about email-related issues. So lots of ways to continue learning with That's us. That's great. I'm in. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Beautiful. Fun. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks for listening to the SAS Backwards Podcast. Brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com. You can email Ken Lempett at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe, and thanks again for listening.